What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Gridiron Authority College Football Show. I'm Keith Thornton. With me, as always, my co-host, Mike Adams. Mike, what do we got in store this week? Uh, yeah, we're going to be going over our, our week five college football uh, review, and then we're also going to be previewing week six, some of the big matchups and games to look out for. So it should be a good episode. All right, let's get to it. All right, let's get started with a recap of week five. Mike, what stood out to you in week five of NCAA football? Uh, we had a lot of a lot of good games, a lot of a lot of good showings, honestly. Uh starting off, Penn State against Maryland, uh 59 to nothing for Penn State. Uh we talked about earlier in the season how good the Maryland offense looked, and they and they were just just shut down by that Penn State defense. Uh Sean Clifford for Penn State, their quarterback, 398 yards and three touchdowns, also added 54 yards and a touchdown rushing. Um, so a great showing by them. Uh, I think a real statement game, honestly. Uh, and then, you know, next up we have uh, Herm Edwards and Arizona State bounce back win uh, going against the, the last remaining undefeated team in the Pac-12. They are going against Cal. Uh, they won 24-17 over, over Cal um, at Cal. Uh, so great win by them. It's probably going to bump them back up into the top 25. Uh, Clemson narrowly survived uh, North Carolina. Uh, not a great game by Clemson, honestly, North Carolina, you know, played their hearts out. They went for a two point conversion, uh, triple option at the end of the game to win, you know, to win the game, uh, which I think was the right call. Maybe not the best play call, but the right decision to go for two, um, it fell a little bit short, but I mean, it was, it was a great game to watch it, uh, to watch. So, uh, we also had, uh, Alabama just throttled, uh, they had a 31 point second quarter, um, uh, Tua had, uh, uh, six touchdown passes in the game. So, I mean, he's just improving his Heisman, you know, argument again. Um, we had uh, OU um, just dominated Texas Tech 55-16. Hurts 415 yards and three touchdowns, ran the ball well again. Uh, Auburn, uh, number seven Auburn, uh, beat Mississippi State 56-23. Uh, staying undefeated. They're looking good. They have a big game coming up this week. Um, we also have Wisconsin. Um, didn't really look great. I know you made that big prediction last week about them winning the national championship. Uh, didn't really look great against Northwestern, but they they still won. They won 24 uh, 15. Taylor still ran for, you know, right around 120 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Florida, another undefeated SEC team in the top 10, uh, beat Towson. Not a good opponent, but they still dominated them 38 0. Uh, Notre Dame bounce back win 35 20 against number 18, Virginia. Um, it was a close game early, but, uh, Notre Dame really pulled away at the end. So, um, a good bounce back win for them. Iowa, um, has quietly snuck to, I think they're five and oh now, uh, 48 to three win over middle Tennessee state. Uh, and then you had, uh, Washington, uh, just kind of hammered USC. Um, so Washington, you know, helping their college playoff, uh, resume a little bit. They do have one loss, but, uh, maybe if the, if the right teams lose, they could sneak back into the playoffs. So, um, I mean, that was kind of the, the big stuff for week five. I'll end it on, on an unfortunate note for you. Um, we discussed, uh, we discussed the the college game day game, uh, Ohio State versus Nebraska. Um, I said myself, I thought it'd be a good game. I really did. I I really believe that going into it. Um, but Ohio State just just ripped Nebraska a new one to you know from the very beginning of the game. 
Um, J.K. Dobbins, 177 yards. Justin Fields didn't really throw the ball much, but he was effective throwing it. 212 yards passing, three touchdowns. Uh, the defense, I mean, just just looked uh, uh, looked unstoppable, honestly, for for uh, Ohio State. Um, I mean, Adrian Martinez honestly didn't really even look like he wanted to be out there. It looked like he gave up pretty early in that game. Uh, Nebraska was rattled early, never really recovered. So it was, it was kind of a rough game for him. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, when you're really breaking it down, it's not too surprising because all season, I mean, Nebraska almost lost to South Alabama. They barely beat them. They barely beat Illinois in a comeback. They lost to Colorado. The only team that they really handedly beat was Northern Illinois. And some of the biggest things to me when you look at it is they, they had a freshman last year, came in as a tight end. This year, they switched him to center, made him bulk up. He snaps high every single play. And when Adrian Martinez has to jump up and grab the snap, it's hard to make a read in a zone read offense. So they're trying to do read options and RPOs. But the ball, he's having to jump to get the ball. And then by the time he lands, there's already defenders in his face and he can't, you know, it's hard to make a decision. It's easy to sit back, and, and I'm guilty of it too, and say, you know, Adrian Martinez really isn't playing well. He has, in this game, he had three picks. Some of them were just mind-blowingly bad. But like Scott Frost said in his presser, you know, when you have a guy, when you're going against Ohio State, which, by the way, props to Ohio State, they look like they could be the best team in the in the NCAA right now. Uh, they're now ranked number four, but um, they, they just dominated it. So the line was caving in. He was jumping for snaps, trying to get reads off, couldn't make it work. They actually went, and, and this is saying something because Adrian Martinez even kneels the football out of the shotgun. That's how much he doesn't play under center. Um, they actually went to an I formation in one of the drives and drove it straight down the field on Ohio State, got into the red zone, and then they went back to the shotgun and threw a pick. So uh, you know, it's I, it, we kind of talk about this in the NFL about some of these teams that are lacking in identity. That's Nebraska in a nutshell. Are they a passing team? Are they a running team? Are they an option team? They really don't know who they are yet. And part of that's just because they're in the middle of a rebuild. I mean, this is only Scott Frost's second year. He came in and inherited just some really bad talent from Mike Riley. Um, and you've heard all the stories, Mike Riley. Talk, you know, he made it optional for his players to wait train. So when Scott Frost got there, there were players dropping to dropping down, having to go to the hospital, just doing a workout because they were so out of shape. So it's going to take a couple of years. It hurts to have a, a loss 48 to seven like this, on, especially on a national stage with college game day there. But um, it'll it'll get better for Nebraska. For sure. I, th- I, th- I think, uh, you know, I kind of talked about it in, in our NFL show about the Raiders. And, uh, you know, just looking for progression this year. That's all That's all you're really looking for. To me, uh, you know, next year is going to be the big year for Nebraska. I think this year, if they could just progress enough, make a bowl game, win six games, go to a bowl game, maybe win a bowl game. I think that's a good season for Nebraska. I think a lot of people overhyped him going into the season because, oh, it's Scott Frost's second year. Look what he did at UCF in his second year there. And it's different situations. Um, he wasn't in the Big Ten at UCF, obviously. He didn't have the competition he was going against. I mean, he walked into a better program uh, at UCF than Nebraska currently is. Um, so, I mean, it's 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 a slow progr- you know, uh, process in college football. It's not like the NFL where you could just go out and, and buy and trade and sign all these guys. Uh, you know, it, it takes time. And so 
this year just progress, get into a bowl game, maybe win a bowl game. Next year's the the year that I really look for him to jump to that that 9, 10, 11 win season. Like that's when it should happen is next year, maybe the year after. But this year it's all about progression with Nebraska. Again, props to Ohio State. They looked unbelievable. Um, I mean, offense, defense, I mean, they've got, you know, first round picks on both sides of the ball. They got second round picks on both rounds, both sides of the ball and third round picks on both sides of the ball. So uh, they've got an insane amount of talent and they're using it and they just, they look incredible. Absolutely. Another game, you know, the game I want to talk about, I made that bold prediction last week that Wisconsin was my favorite to be the national championships. And I still stand behind Kind of like if you listen to the NFL episode, I talked about the Chiefs, and you know it doesn't matter. Look at what Clemson did. You got to find a way to win the ugly games. Uh, you know, obviously North Carolina is not even close to the same class as Clemson. Yet Clemson only won by a point. Uh, this happens a lot, especially when teams are as good as Wisconsin's been all year. They're gonna kind of sleep on teams, and Northwestern's one of those teams that, with Pat Fitzgerald, love the guy as a coach. Uh, if they could just get some better players there recruitment-wise, they could be a solid team because I think the coaching is there. The defense is always pretty good. They always play good. They're just not on that level of, of Wisconsin, Ohio State, Michigan. But so I'm actually excited to see Wisconsin get a little bit of adversity. You know, Jack Cohn had a bad game, but uh, Taylor still ran the ball good, and I think they're going to rebound and be just fine. It, it's good to have kind of this wake-up game because they've been steamrolling everybody, including Michigan. They steamrolled everybody. They get to this point, and they kind of choke up a little bit against Northwestern, but I don't expect this to stay. I think they bounce back this week. And and I, I agree there. I mean, it's it's that's the right game to have adversity in. Um, it's better to have it in a – adversity in a, in a, in a game where, you know, you're the better team. Um, the longer the game goes, the more favorable it is for you. Um, I think that's why North Carolina went for that two point conversion. The longer that game went, the more favorable it was going to be for Clemson. So they wanted to end it right there. Um, so I, I, it's better to go through adversity in those types of games than to go through adversity going against an Ohio state or, you know, for, for Clemson, if it's in the playoffs, um, whoever they end up going against in the playoffs, you don't want to struggle there. You want to, you want to be in your rhythm. You want to be in your groove by the time the playoffs come. So it's better to get it out of the way now against lesser competition. Absolutely. And I, and I watched the Clemson UNC game and, and I was cheering and, and chanting like, you know, they got to go for two as soon as they score this touchdown before they even scored the last touchdown. When they got it, I was like, Mac Brown has to go for two. And he did. And I still a hundred percent agree with the call. The play calling was not good. Uh, I mean, that option play was bad. I would have rather had the ball in the air at that time because they had such a good defensive front. It would have just been, you know, I was thinking more like a re or an RPO, just kind of do like a Tim Tebow, fake handoff, toss it over the top to a tight end or something. But either way, that's a win for UNC because they shouldn't have even been in that position to begin with. And I wouldn't have done it any other way. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a great call. It was just a bad play call. Um, triple option against that front is – it. I mean, maybe they thought they'd catch him off guard um, is my only only thought behind that, really. But, uh, I mean, yeah, they it was definitely the right call. I mean, despite scoring that touchdown, you know, I think on that last series they picked up like two or three fourth down conversions. So, I mean, you know, North Carolina was was reeling going into that touchdown. So they had to they had to go for two because if it would have gone to overtime, they would have lost without any any question, at least at that point they gave themselves an opportunity to win. It didn't work out, but 
like Keith said, it's it was the right call. It's a win for North Carolina. I mean, they're making a statement that, you know, they're on the comeback. Uh, they're turning that program around and, and uh, you know, I, I'm looking forward to it. I like, I like their freshman quarterback they got. Absolutely. So anything else seen out for you this week? Uh, you know, I, I discussed last week, uh, uh, Oklahoma state going against, uh, K state. I talked about it being a statement game for K or for K state potentially, uh, show that they, you know, that they, they're a legit top 25 team and, and, uh, and Oklahoma state just kind of, you know, throttled them really. Um, it wasn't a, wasn't a very good game, honestly. Um, uh, Chuba Hubbard for, uh, for Oklahoma state, I think he ran for 296 yards in the game. Uh, I mean, it it was a pretty ugly game for K state, honestly, but it was a a good win for, for, uh, Oklahoma state. I think they're four and one now, uh, probably going to be ranked in the top 25 this upcoming week. So, uh, you know, I talked about how much I actually really like Oklahoma state. They always have a good program, uh, always have an explosive offense. It's a matter of just getting the defense under control and the defense looked, you know, looked good this past week. So, it appears Oklahoma State's 21 this week. Ah, nice. Good deal. All right, so that kind of wraps up the exciting week five that we had. So let's move on to week six. I know there's some good matchups coming up. Who are you looking forward to seeing? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's a bit of a down week compared to this last one, but there's still some good matchups. We got number 14, Iowa, going against number 19, Michigan. Uh, Iowa, like I talked about, they're undefeated. They're 4-0. Michigan three and one, uh, you know, I was going to be looking to make a statement. Uh, Michigan's going to be looking to bounce back. They're going to want to show that the the Wisconsin game was a fluke, that they had an off day. Uh, so they're going to be looking to bounce back. It is in Ann Arbor. It's, it is at Michigan at the big house. Um, but Iowa, like I said, they're going to be looking to make a statement. And, I, and Iowa, I mean, they to me, they've got one of the best offensive linemen in, in uh, uh, Wharfs. Uh, they've got uh, – yeah, you know, AJ Apenza at linebacker, who I think is is the best strong side linebacker in the country. Um, I, you know, they've got a lot of talent. I think Michigan, you know, even though they're they're ranked lower, I think Michigan's the favorite going into the game. But to me, you you got to look out for Iowa. Yeah, I like Iowa in this one actually. I, I I'm picking Iowa to win the game. I I think they're I think they're a for real team. I think they're a team that the Big Ten's got to watch out for. Uh, we've also got number seven, uh, Auburn going against number 10, Florida. They're both five and O, uh, obviously one of them's going to lose, um, uh, Florida playing with their backup quarterback. Um, but he is playing very well right now. I am, I, I do think Auburn's going to win the game. I think they're a more well-rounded team than Florida. Um, and then we, uh, you know, we also have Ohio state number four now going against, uh, number 25, Michigan state. Uh, I, I think this is it's an opera it's an upset opportunity for Michigan state, honestly, but I think it's a, another statement win for, for Ohio state. I think they're going to be looking to go out and just blow out another big 10 opponent. Uh, and I think that's, what's going to happen. I honestly think, uh, Ohio state's probably going to win this one by two or three touchdowns. So, um, I, I do like Michigan state's defense. They are physical, uh, obviously a better defense than, than Nebraska at this point. Um, but I, I think Ohio state's just too good. Um, and then the other, you know, to me, big game, the last big game of the week, honestly, is number 13, Oregon three and one going against Cal who fell out of the top 25 after they lost Arizona state, uh, both one loss teams. Uh, but Cal did beat Washington earlier in the year. Washington is, is a top 20 team right now. Um, so Oregon, you know, could be on upset alert from that. So, 
Uh, I think it's definitely, uh, uh, you know, a, a big game that could have, you know, playoff implications on it, honestly, for Oregon. So, uh, I mean, those are the big games to really watch out for this week. Yeah, it looks like another exciting week of football in college. Uh, one of the ones I'm looking forward to, as you mentioned, was number seven, Auburn, number 10, Florida. When I was watching college game day, obviously, at Nebraska, they were talking about Auburn and how they had the toughest schedule so far out of anybody. Um, and they're undefeated. So you're looking at them at number seven. If they can knock out Florida, I think they're really going to push forward and, and can really jump into that top five. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a huge game. Obviously, obviously, it has huge playoff implications, uh, um, not only for the SEC, but just for the college football playoff in general. So, uh, yeah, I think that's that's a huge one. Yeah, and obviously I'm looking forward to Nebraska Northwestern. It's not a not a great game for anyone that's not a fan of those two teams to watch, but uh, I'm curious to see how Nebraska bounces back after getting absolutely pounded into the dirt by Ohio State. Um, they seem to be handling it well when you're around the team. They say as soon as it was over, just forget about that game. We're on to Northwestern because I think they knew they were going to get beat pretty handedly by Ohio State. So now they're going into Northwestern reset. Uh, obviously the level of competition after they competed against Ohio state. Now they're going to compete against Northwestern. I mean, Northwestern is good defense, but I think, I mean, I think Nebraska is actually favored in this game, which I'm not really sure how that happens when Northwestern almost beats Wisconsin and Nebraska gets destroyed by Ohio state. But I think it's going to be a good fun game to watch. I think some other stuff to look out for, uh, you know, two is off this week with Alabama, but uh, just kind of following the Heisman race, uh, you got LSU going against uh, Utah State. So Jer- uh, Joe Burrow for LSU, their quarterback, um, averaging right around 400 yards and four touchdowns a game. Uh, I expect him to put up huge numbers and continue his Heisman campaign. Uh, Jalen uh, Jalen Hurts going against KU in Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, I mean, overall he's averaging you know right around 450 yards total per game. Uh, and about four touchdowns a game. So I think he's going to put up huge numbers against uh, against uh, KU. Uh, and then uh, we discussed Wisconsin just a second ago. They're going against Kent State at home. I expect John, uh, Jonathan Taylor to have a bounce back game. Uh, didn't have a bad game this week. It just wasn't, you know, it wasn't that Heisman kind of game. So I expect him to probably put up around 150 yards and multiple touchdowns against Kent State. Uh, so those are just kind of some of the, you know, that Heisman, Heisman race to uh, – to keep an eye on also, you know, in the background, keep an eye on Justin Fields uh, for Ohio state uh, playing Michigan state. Uh, I expect him to have a big game, maybe not as big as some of those other guys. Cause he's going against a better opponent, but um, you know, just definitely keep an eye on him though. Absolutely. So it kind of wraps up our preview for next week and we wouldn't be doing college football justice if we didn't bring up this news article from this week um, in the state of California. The Fair Pay to Play Act is now law, signed into law. Uh, It's kind of a game changer. It makes it illegal for any college in the state of California to deny their student athletes opportunities to gain compensation for the use of their names, images, and likenesses. Yeah, when you go back and you look at the history of college football, uh, people getting in trouble for this. You go back to Ohio State, looking at Terrell Pryor. He actually you know, traded tattoos for a Jersey or something like that. And you look at Sam Keller from Nebraska and how he kind of ended NCAA football from EA sports, the game. Um, Now they're saying that players can make money off their likeness. So if they want to set up a stand outside their dorm and start selling jerseys and autographs, 
and basically do anything with their names, images, or likenesses. They're completely legally allowed to do that in California. Uh, part of the controversy right now is if the NCAA doesn't act and do something, why would any college kid not want to go to a California school where they can make money? Why would they go to a school like a Nebraska or an Ohio State or Alabama where they can go to USC, Cal, UCLA, and they can make tons of money selling their stuff? It's really, I mean, at this point, the NCAA has to react, right? I mean, it's, it's, um, I think it's a good, I think it's a good play by, by uh, California. I, I like that the kids can finally, you know, make some money. Um, but it also sets a bad precedent because like you said, uh, if you can go to USC and potentially make an extra 10,000, $20,000 a year by, by signing autographs or giving away jerseys or, or whatever it is, you know, why wouldn't you do that? Why, why would you go to Alabama or Texas or Ohio state when you can't do that? Um, so it definitely, it, in terms of a competitive edge, um, I mean, it's huge for California. So, you know, not only the NCAA, but other states have to react to that. Um, um, I mean, they, they've got to react to that. And, and, you know, I've seen some of these, these schools coming out and, and, uh, athletic directors and presidents and stuff, uh, arguing against it, saying it's bad, you know, talk, uh, Ohio state is one of them, uh, saying how they don't like that. And, and, you know, that part kind of annoys me because it's, you know, it's okay as, you know, if someone's making money off these kids, it's fine. As long as it's the universities, they don't like the fact that it's that now they're going to be losing money off the kids. Uh, right. They can't take a percentage of the kids' money. And, it, and me, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's not even anything that the universities are doing. Like, yeah. if you look at Justin Fields for Ohio State, he's going out there, he's winning football games. The people that want his jerseys aren't just fans of Ohio State, they're fans of Justin Fields. They want his stuff. And instead, the college will line up his jerseys outside the stadium and sell them for $100 a piece. And the player gets $0. And he's the one who's uh, made that jersey worth $100. And, and and to me, I think what does need to happen, I think the NCAA needs to react and there needs to be a cap put on there. Um, I, be, you know, to me, I, I believe that that's the only way it could, it could be balanced out is that there's gotta be a cap of some kind. Um, because at that point we're bordering on a, a pay to play, uh, scale. Um, because if California says, well, you can make unlimited money here, but say Alabama reacts and says, well, you can make 5,000 a semester. Again, it's, now you're going into pay to play um, and which, you know, that, that could be good and bad for college football, honestly. Um, so I, I do believe there needs to be some sort of cap whenever the NCAA reacts, whenever uh, uh, other States react. I, I think what would be best is that they put a cap and say, Hey, you can do this up to this amount of money per year. Um, and, and I'm all, I'm all for that. And, you know, I don't think, uh, necessarily the kids should be standing outside their dorm, you know, 24 seven signing autographs and making an extra hundred thousand, you know, for that kind of stuff. But, um, I mean, give them some money. I mean, some of these kids, you know, they may be on a full ride scholarship, but these kids struggle, um, to make it through, you know, I've, I've seen some of the reports and some of the videos of, of some of the guys that actually have families that have, you know, that may be married and have kids and, and things like that. And, and they can't take any outside help because it's considered bribing them. Uh, they could lose their scholarship. They could lose their eligibility. So uh, I'm all for the kids making money. Um, I just think it needs to be level throughout the, you know, throughout the, you know, the NCAA and throughout the country. So um, you don't have people offering money for players to come there because then it, it changes the whole landscape of college football, honestly, and athletics. Right. So here's, here's my, I've got a pro 
pro list and a con list. Here's here's the pros to it. When I'm looking at it, if you take the the students away from the university, the university doesn't make the money. So to me, the the, the kids are if you have a business and and you hire employees, you have to pay the employees because they're the ones making you money. You, you know, people aren't coming to your business and paying you for nothing. They're paying to watch these kids play. And people always use the excuse, well, they're getting free education. Well, here's the thing. That education, first of all, is education's a little bit of a joke when you're talking about some of these student athletes because a lot of them get accelerated credit programs with a tutor. They're not even going to these classes. Essentially, they're getting, and I'm doing air quotes, you can't really see me, but they're doing assisted classes and getting credits. And, and we're all naive, you know, novices aren't naive. I'm sitting here saying, I know for a fact that they're not getting a great college education when they're student athletes. So to say that they're getting a free education, that's kind of a bogus excuse. And the other thing is room and board and stuff that costs the college almost nothing. Yes. If you were a normal student and you're paying for it, it costs a lot. But when you look at what the college is actually putting up, they're basically feeding these kids and they're giving them room and board, and they're making hundreds of millions of dollars off of these kids. So, uh, you know, there's actually a law going through the Supreme Court right now that says that 15% of all the athletic department money, profit, is going to have to be split between all the college athletes. And honestly, that's probably a better way to do it because I think we're going to get in trouble with this rule is you're going to get Obviously, we've seen it in Kansas and a couple other places, but you're going to get people like Adidas that are going to be headhunting kids right out of high school to go to California colleges now. They're going to say, hey, if you go to Cal, we'll sign you to a shoe deal with your likeness. And with this rule in law, nothing's there to stop them. So you're going to have these these big corporations and big brands headhunting kids, and it's going to make these kids make decisions that isn't the best for them. It's not the best for their family. It's it's going to make them the most money and it's going to be best for these big corporations. So that's my con. I think the the pro to it obviously is is you know, if if I'm a kid, if I'm a kid who is a stud football player and a Heisman winner, you look at somebody like a Tim Tebow. He was the biggest draw in college and I know he's spoken up against this kind of thing, but Tim Tebow's jersey sales and everything that happened to Florida during the time he was there was because of him. And he didn't make a single dime off of any of that. He's against it, but he also didn't need the money. I mean, there are kids out there whose families are not rich and they can't just sit there and not make a dime. So I, I like the fact that they're going to get some of that compensation. I just think it can spiral out of control if it's not watched closely. Yeah, like, uh, like I said earlier, there's, I think there's got to be a cap. Um, I mean, you said that, you know, the, the colleges don't make the money without the, you know, the athletes yet it's a two, it's a, it's a two way street because the, the athletes don't have the opportunity without the colleges. So they need each other. Um, it's the same thing in the NFL, you know, the, you know, the Cowboys don't make, you know, they don't make money without Deke Elliott and Dak Prescott and Demarcus Lawrence yet at the same time, if the Cowboys aren't around to offer that money to those guys, those guys don't make anything either, you know? Um, so, I mean, it's a two way street. They need each other. Um, the thing is, is, you know, these universities have gone, you know, a hundred plus years with only making money themselves, not having to split it. And now you're telling them that, you know, you need to, you need to give them 15% or 20% between the student athletes and universities are going to fight that as, as much as they possibly can. And, and which isn't right. Obviously the kids deserve to make some money. Like I said, even, even if it's only five, 10, 20,000, you know, a year, 
I mean, that's a huge deal. Like you said, you know, not all these, not all, not all these kids are, are wealthy. Not all of them have rich parents. Some of them have families to support. And so if you can get, you know, five, 10, $20,000 a year for these kids, then I, you know, to me, that's a huge deal. Right. And the other thing that stands out to me, these kids aren't just, you know, being out there being celebrities for their school, they're putting their bodies on the line too. A lot of these players won't even make it out of college because they're getting beat down in games. So at that point, if they don't get any compensation in the NCAA and they say their senior year blow out their knee where they can't go pro, they make no, no money at all. As a matter of fact, they probably had to pay money if they weren't a a five-star recruit, they got a full ride. A lot of them are paying money, putting their bodies on the lines for these colleges to make money and they're getting nothing in return. Yeah. And, and another thing that we have to look at on this too is, is balancing out, you know, cause we're, we're focusing on the, on the football side of it right now, but this is athletics in general. This isn't a, a pay, you know, a fair pay act for college football. This is a fair pay act for athletics. So we're Absolutely. factoring in, you know, you're, fa- you're factoring in men's basketball, women's basketball, wrestling, golf, baseball, softball, all of this stuff. And so now you start going into the title nine implications because you can't go out and say, well, the university is going to give uh, the the men's baseball team 20,000 a year, but we're only going to give the women's softball team 5,000 a year. Like you, you have to balance it out. Now you have the title nine implications coming in that you have to factor in. You have to factor in balancing it out. You know, is it, you know, is it right for USC football to make 20,000 a year, but USC basketball to make 5,000 a year. But then on the flip side, you have, Cal football, uh, or, you know, say, uh, UCLA basketball making 20,000 a year, but maybe UCLA football making 5,000 a year. So, I mean, you have to, you have to balance it out. You have to balance the numbers. You have to do the title nine implications. Um, uh, you have to make sure you, you pass all those, those rules and you make it balanced for the men and the women, which is the right thing to do. Um, so, I mean, there, there's a lot of, a lot of implications that I, I don't think people have discussed, and like I said, we've really only been discussing it from a football standpoint, but you got to factor in all the, all these other right. things and all these other calculations that, it, you know, they're saying 2023, but I mean, to me, that's, that's rushing it, honestly. Yeah. And one of the things that makes this rule different because the NCAA is not actually paying anybody here is it's based on, and, and you're going to get a lot of upset athletes because if we're being completely honest, college football is where these kids are going to make money. And college, say college baseball, those guys aren't going to make anything off their likenesses because, I mean, they're not just they're just not going to make as much. It's not as popular of a sport. Yeah. Uh, so when you look at making money off likenesses and images and names, they're going to. I mean, football is going to make more than any other sport, and that's pretty much just how it is. Except for maybe places like KU where basketball is the the top for the school, whatever. But yeah. either way, vice versa, you're going to get some of these sports mad. I mean. Let's let's talk about which which part brings in more money, Nebraska football or Nebraska women's basketball. I mean, it's clear and cut. They're not going to split anything because this is based on uh, their likenesses. And and honestly, nobody even knows who any of these other players are at any sports. So it's going to get really ugly, especially like you said, with the Title IX stuff and balancing it out because – this law doesn't really set anything in place. All it does is it makes it legal for them to make money. It doesn't say how they make money. It doesn't say what they're restricted to. It just says, Hey, they can't punish them. And and I I think that's what we, we have to look into is, is like I said, to make it fair across the board, there's going to have to be a cap, which means the colleges and the NCAA are going to have to limit this 
Um, but at the same time, when you get all that involved, again, you have to balance it between all the sports. You can't say, you know, Alabama football can make 20,000 a year, but Alabama softball only gets 3000 because now you're crossing title nine, you know, now you're crossing into title nine viola- uh, violations, um, and things like that. So it's, it, I think there's a lot more, uh, legislation and, and a lot more paperwork that's going to go into this than, than people are, are thinking about at the moment. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's a step in the right direction. Um, it's just not, it's not the perfect step. It's a, it's a stutter step in the right direction. Um, but there's still a lot of work that needs to, to be done to get this, you know, to where it needs to be, um, as, as there is with anything, it's the same thing with, you know, say the college football playoff. I mean, I think what we're at right now is a step in the right direction. I don't think it's a perfect system. They still need to edit it. They still need to fix it. Um, and I, I think that's where we're at with this right now. We're in the early stages of what will eventually be the right thing to do. Um, but right now we're still very early on. So, um, I mean, it's another thing that I like to point out and this is kind of, I don't know if it's controversial or a hot take, whatever you want to call it. But I mean, if we're being honest, the NCAA is already one of the most corrupt things in the world. And when you're looking at what's happening is the schools are already paying the players just under the table or with, um, let's just say perks. You know, when you look at, when I look at Nebraska last year, Wandale Robinson running back committed to Nebraska verbally right before he committed, he got a call from Kentucky, which is his home state, Kentucky, uh, the university of Kentucky calls him. And this is of course all hearsay because nobody can confirm nor deny it, but uh, Kentucky calls him with an offer, whether it's a perk or buying a parent house, whatever it is, he switches his transfer or switches his uh, commitment to Kentucky. And everyone kind of talked about how unfair it was. As Nebraska fans were complaining because everyone knew what was happening. And then magically two or three weeks later, he flips back to Nebraska. And uh, some of the insiders on the Nebraska subreddit were saying, this is normal, you know, don't don't fool yourself into thinking that your favorite school is not doing this because what they were implying is that Nebraska came back and upped the offer, whatever it is. Long story short, he's on Nebraska now, but you see that all over. And there was that controversy with Cam Newton too, where his dad was essentially asking colleges to basically bid on Cam Newton to go to it. And Auburn won. Um, so I think that's one of the reasons that, that these colleges don't want to do it because they're, they're technically already doing it, but they don't have to do it for everybody. They're only doing it for the recruits that they want. And uh, it's all, it's all really shady. And that's why I think it would almost be better if they just paid them because then it's all out in the open. Even, even when all this gets settled out, there's still going to be stuff happening under the table. Like it's, I mean, we can, I think we can, we can all agree to that. Even if you cap it out and say, listen, you know uh, we're going to give the football programs, you know, uh, uh, $25 million. That's their cap. That's what they can offer their players. And each player can make no more than 20000 but no player can make any less than 5000 you know, whatever it is. Um, you know, even if that's, let's say that's the case, that's what they go with. You know for a fact that whatever school it is, they're going to say, hey, we'll give you 20000 you know, we'll give you the 20000 max, but we'll also mm-hmm. give you this, you know, yada, yada, yada. Your parents are going to end up with a new car. It's fine. Um, or you're going to end up with a new car and, or whatever it is. Um, I mean, it's still going to happen, but at least this way it balances out a little bit more. Um, and to me, that's where the competitive balance comes in because here's the other thing you're going to get with this fair play pay to play act. When you're doing it off of endorsements, quarterbacks are going to get all the endorsements, but your center is going to get nothing. 
because no one knows who he is. Your guards are going to get nothing. They're more important to the team than the quarterback in a lot of situations. So uh, you're going to start seeing that. Defensive guys are going to complain because they're not getting as much as a quarterback. It's messy, but I I like the fact that they're kind of – they're basically moving the first chess piece, and now the NCAA has to respond because if they don't, no, no kids are going to be going to any of the – you know, you're going to see Alabama drop big in their recruitment, Clemson and Ohio State, because everyone's going to be going to these cow schools because, I mean, why wouldn't you if you can make money off your likeness? And, and yeah, and that's what, yeah, what I was saying earlier is I think this is the the, the, the first step in the right direction, right. but there's still there's a lot of steps that need to follow. On a lighter note in this, one of the good things is, when you're talking about names, images, and likenesses is a possible return of NCAA football, the video game. So that's always a good sign because if, if they can make money off the likenesses, you can pay everyone a little bit of money, just like they do in the NFL. And we can have an actual fully licensed NCAA game that doesn't just use numbers, but actually uses player names and everything. So that would be really cool to see down the road. And, and, and that, but I mean, and, and for the basketball fans, I mean, getting NCAA basketball back, getting uh, NCAA football back, there's been NCAA baseball games in the past that are really fun to play. Um, so, I mean, there, there's a lot of opportunity out there, I think. And that's, that's another revenue for these schools and these players to make money. So, uh, I oh, mean, that's my, that's my happy place was playing NCAA football. It's to me, it was head and shoulders you know, above and beyond Madden. It was always the, you know, you got the marching band playing. They were the first ones, I think, to do the the vibrating play calls whenever the crowd was was crazy. It was just a fantastic game. And, and it, on the college basketball side, I remember us playing uh, UMKC Kangaroos up there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we played. Yeah, I think we played. We had created guys and played an entire season in one night uh whatever <laughs> however many yeah like 40 game i think that's on 2k 2k8 um yeah and i mean it to, to me it, it's that'd be good for the game you know for gamers like us it'd be good for sports fans like us it'd be good for the athletes um you know it's it's less you know less good for uh the universities but at the same time there's always there's always ways that they can, you know, how they're going to counter it now is instead of paying $50 for a ticket, you're going to play $75 for that same ticket. And instead of paying $100 for a jersey, you're going to pay $120 for a jersey. And I mean, the universities are going to counter and they're going to they're going to find a way to still make their money. Um, they're not going to they're not going to do anything that's going to cost them to lose money, you know, cause them to lose money. Um, they'll, all they'll do is they'll, they'll up the concessions, they'll up the apparel, they'll up the tickets. And we'll have to pay more for it. But at the same time, I mean, again, the kids deserve to make money. And, you know, like you said, we want NCAA football back. So just do it. Yeah, just get it done. I don't <laughs> yeah, care what just, it takes. Yeah, just grow up and, and give us our, our <laughs> damn football game. Absolutely. All right. Well, let us know what you guys think about this. I know it's going to be a hot topic for the years to come as this goes through, I'm sure, a lengthy legal battle and NCAA moves. We'll kind of keep you updated on our weekly college football show. And uh, yeah, stay tuned. That kind of wraps up our our episode this week. Do you got anything to add, Mike? Uh, no, I mean just uh, I, again, like I've said all season. If you're a football fan, whether you're college or not, make sure you watch the games because the guys you're going to be watching on Saturday are going to be the guys you're watching next Sunday or next year on Sundays. So um, you know, get to know the guys. Uh, the games are great. The atmosphere is great, and, and I mean, just just watch some games. Absolutely, and if you play fantasy sports check out our 
week five preview NFL fantasy episode, as well as our week four and week five recap and preview. Um, Mike, where else can they find us? Uh, you find us on gridironauthority.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So uh, make sure to get on all of those, listen to the episodes, read the articles, uh, make sure you comment, let us know what you think about them and uh, stay active on them. All right. We'll see you next time.